Welcome back to Avocado Knits. This episode is pretty much all about pet rats. The reading is about pet rats. The commentary is about pet rats. The songs are about my relationship with my pet rats. There is even a video on the show notes site at avocadonits.wordpress.com starring pet rats. But there is also on the show notes site uh, a collection of photos that I took when I was at, well, in the region of the Anime Central Convention. Just a few photos, and some of them are slightly blurry if you open them up and they're big, big size. But the costumes are so interesting. And the whole experience, I think, is very meaningful for the people who take part in it. This is an audio recording I made on my phone as I was walking into the convention. Lots of people dressed up. It's like going to a dance or a party. You're going to go see your tribe participate in something ceremonial, um, a, a liminal space that for just today replaces everyday reality with this fabulous, fantastic reality that means so much to you. Someday, I'm going to dress up for something, and it's going to be awesome. In the meantime, I'm going to talk about some rats. Like you ever get. Hey, hey, hey. 
Some Strange Feelin' is by Davis Cohen. Our Pet Rat from Chambers Journal of Popular Literature, Science, and Arts, 1878. An obliging correspondent writes to us as follows. An article in the September number of Chambers Journal entitled Poppet's Pranks having afforded much amusement to our young people. It has occurred to me that a short account of one of our numerous pets might not be unacceptable especially as we have often said in our own circle that Billy's doings ought to be immortalized in print. We've always considered it an important element in the education of children, that they should be taught to regard the brute creation with kindly feelings. And in our own family, we have fostered the love of animals by encouraging them to keep pets. So at various periods, dogs, cats, birds, rabbits, guinea pigs, etc., have all in turn been domiciled with us and I believe we also harbored for a time a hedgehog and a bat, but these last proving rather intractable were soon restored to their native freedom. Those who have had experience in it best know how interesting any living intelligence becomes when one is brought closely in contact with it, and we elders, as well as the more juvenile members of our family, have found both pleasure and instruction in observing the habits and dispositions of the little creatures to whom we gave a kindly shelter. Among these, none ever excited more interest or stood higher in the family regards than Billy, our tame rat. It was in the winter of 1874-1875 that a friend who was coming to spend Christmas with us brought Billy as a new treasure for the children, and for some months he afforded us great amusement. He arrived in a cigar box, in which he usually slept, and on its being opened he sprang instantly inside our friend's waistcoat from which safe retreat he ventured to peep out at the strange faces which he seemed to regard with terror. And this habit he retained, for although he soon established friendly relations with us, he always darted behind the piano or sideboard on the entrance of a stranger. Yet his little head, with its bright, bead-like eyes, was sure to peep out presently, as if he wanted to satisfy his own curiosity without himself being observed. But here let me say, no one must suppose for an instant that Billy resembled the, mo the repulsive-looking rat of our farmyards and ditches. He was of a much smaller size, not larger than a kitten of a month old, and very prettily spotted in brown and white. His eyes were very prominent, standing out like large black beads, and he was particularly nice in his toilet, washing just as a cat does, and keeping his coat always scrupulously clean. Yet I confess it was some time before I could regard him with equanimity. It was so hard to divest oneself of the general prejudice against his race, and his receding underjaw gave an uncomfortable impression at first, so I used to shrink from him and gather up my skirts at his approach, although my son declared that if he had been introduced to me as a rodent that I should have had no objection to him, and that it was merely the name of Rat which excited my aversion. However, be this as it may, Billy soon won his way to favor, in spite of prejudice, and by his intelligence and good temper made himself a general favorite. He especially attached himself to my eldest daughter, and would come at the call of Billy, Billy, from any of his hiding places, except at night, when he seemed to be quite aware that he was wanted to go to bed in the cigar box before mentioned, and then it was often with great difficulty she could entice him from his lurking place. 
Sometimes she would tempt him with a biscuit, and he would dart out, snatch it from her fingers, and dart again behind the sideboard before she could get hold of him. We did not usually see so much of him in the morning, as he liked to conceal himself behind the heavy furniture; but at dinner time he was sure to appear, and generally placed himself on my knee, where from time to time he was fed with small bits of bread and vegetables; and if I was not sufficiently attentive to his wants, he would pass over to one of the children's plates, and, watching his opportunity, would make a seizure, and dart with the stolen morsel to his storing place. And this habit of storing was very curious, being evidently an instinct belonging to very different surroundings. In a room appropriated chiefly to the children, there was an old sofa, a good deal the worse for wear, as what sofa would not be that had been carriage, omnibus, or railway train to seven or eight youngsters successively? Under the pillow the haircloth had given way, so Billy found a hole conveniently ready for him, and lost no time in appropriating it. Thither he carried many of his stores, and it was most amusing to watch him nibble a biscuit just like a squirrel, sitting back on his haunches and holding it neatly between his forepaws, and then, when he had had enough for his immediate wants, he would spring with the remainder to this hole in the old sofa. But it was not only food he stored. He had a decided fancy for bright colors, and if bits of ribbon or colored silk were left in his way, he would drag them along the floor and then leap to the sofa with such celerity that it was almost impossible to deprive him of his booty. Once I looked up in time to see and seize one end of a blue necktie as Billy disappeared with the other behind the sofa pillow. He came up directly to see what detained it and was very unwilling to give it up. So he pulled and I held until finding that I was the stronger, he relinquished it, but with such impatient little squeaks. Yet neither then nor at any time did he ever attempt to bite or show any ill temper toward any of us, though, like most pets, he had to bear a fair amount of well-meant teasing, which no kitten would have stood as well. I recollect one day watching him with much interest. He had found on the floor a large newspaper, which he seized by one corner, and pulled toward the sofa up which he had made several vain attempts to leap with the paper in his mouth. He then dropped it, and jumped back and forward several times as if he was measuring his distance, or making calculations with an eye to future success. Then, catching hold of the paper, he tried to leap with it, but again he failed. So at last I took pity on him and tore one half of the paper away, when he was able to manage the remainder and carry it off in triumph to his den. During the winter evenings, when the children were engaged with their lessons, Billy was usually to be found on the table rummaging among their books and catching at their pens, which latter amusement he enjoyed very much after the manner of a kitten running after a knitting needle drawn quickly up and down the table. But as these amusements rather interfered with the studies, Billy would occasionally be dismissed to the kitchen, to which he had a great dislike. He never stayed there longer than he could help but on the first chance would rush up the stairs and scratch, or rather, I should say, gnaw, for admittance. Speaking of this gnawing leads me to observe that one objection I had to receiving him was the fear that he would be very mischievous. But fortunately I never found him so. He had free access to a pantry where a variety of eatables, usually considered dear to a rat's heart, were to be found. But I never knew him to injure anything, or even to cut the paper covering of any parcel, no matter what it contained. No doubt it was partly owing to his being so well fed that he was not driven to theft by hunger. I generally scattered for him on the shelves some grains of rice or pickles of starch, and to these he helped himself when inclined. From soap or candles he turned away in disgust 
being far too well bred a rat to indulge in such low tastes. But he dearly loved a bit of plum cake, and, shall I confess it, he was by no means a teetotaler. If ale was used at dinner, he would rush eagerly about the glasses until he was supplied with some in a spoon. I believe, before he came to us, he had been accustomed to even stronger potations, in which, however, we did not indulge him. I have said he was not mischievous. Neither was he, as mischief among rats is generally understood. But there is no rule without exception, and Billy had a decided penchant for kid gloves. If any were left carelessly about, he was sure to get hold of them and have the fingers eaten off in a few minutes. I cannot tell how many gloves he destroyed until repeated lessons of this sort enforced more tidy habits. I must not omit to mention his love of music. When he heard the piano, he would rush to the drawing room and spring to the performer's knee, where he would remain perfectly quiet, evidently listening with much pleasure. When he first came, he was very restless, seeming to live in a state of perpetual motion, but he soon learned to come upon the knee to be caressed and have his head rubbed, which operation afforded him intense enjoyment. He would have lain in a state of supreme delight for an hour if anyone would have rubbed his head for so long. Very various were the opinions entertained of Billy by our friends. Some of our young visitors would ask to see him when they called, and with them he soon became familiar, and would run over their shoulders and about their necks quite freely. But others had a perfect horror of him, and I remember once, on going down to receive two ladies, I found one of them standing on the piano stool in dread of his attacking her, and no declarations as to his perfect harmlessness were of any avail. Another time an old lady and gentleman were spending the evening with us, and knowing the latter to be of a very nervous temperament, I had given strict orders that Billy should be kept downstairs. But Billy had no idea of losing his tea, and managing to escape from the servant who had him in charge, in he rushed as soon as the door was opened, and made straight across the room, as usual, for my knee. I gave him a bit of cake to keep him quiet, and covered him up with my handkerchief. "'What's that? What's that?' exclaimed the old gentleman anxiously. I replied as carelessly as I could, oh, it's only a little pet of the children's, and hoped no more notice would be taken. But presently our friend got up, and came round to where I sat, just as Billy had finished his cake and put up his head for, for more. Never shall I forget his look of dismay, as he exclaimed, It's a rat! while making hasty tracks for the door. However, we succeeded in allaying his fears and Billy was allowed to run about freely, with only an occasional shudder from our friend, if he approached him too closely. During the spring we had a lady staying with us, who could not be reconciled to seeing a rat run about the house, and who repelled all friendly overtures on the part of our pet. So one morning, out of consideration for her, Billy was banished to another room while we were at breakfast, and lo, go on going into the room afterwards, I found my friend's ball of cotton cut into shreds, which were piled in a little heap on the floor. It really seemed as if he had done it for revenge, for although I had had knitting about repeatedly, he often rolled the balls on the carpet, but never injured them. While enough has been said, I think, to show that Billy was a very interesting rat, candor compels me to admit that, like wiser and better folk, he had his faults, and I'm sorry to say his besetting sin was jealousy. Although so thoroughly good-tempered with all the members of our family, he would not tolerate another pet in the house. He had not been long with us when he killed a canary that had lighted on his back. At first there were threats of summary vengeance, 
but on reflection it was thought possible that he had been frightened by its sudden descent upon him, and had killed the bird in an impulse of self defence; so it was decided to give him the benefit of this supposition, and he was forgiven and restored to favour. But when the Midsummer holidays arrived, one of our boys brought home a handsome young retriever, whom it was evident from the first Billy regarded with no friendly eye. The children, of course, were much taken up with the fresh arrival, and I presume Billy felt himself neglected, and therefore lost no opportunity of revenging himself upon the new favourite. It was wonderful to see the courage of the little creature in venturing to attack an animal so much larger than himself. If the dog were lying quietly on the rug, he would spring on him, and then retreat so quickly that at first we did not know whether he had bitten him or not, as the dog would merely utter a low growl and retire. But one day, at dinner, when our canine friend was being supplied with pieces which probably had formerly fallen to Billy's share, our little pet was so enraged that he rushed across the table and bit the dog on the mouth severely. From that time his doom was sealed. It was felt that either he or the dog must be dismissed, and the verdict was unanimous in favor of keeping the retriever. So Billy was tied up in his box and sent back to his former owner. Since then we have occasionally heard of his welfare, and the last news concerning him was that he had been taken into a garden, but was evidently too much awed by the immensity of the universe to enjoy it. I suppose it says something about how used I am to the idea of pet rats, that the thing that struck me most about this story is that they called him Billy, which just sounds strange to me. I'm sure some of you were quite ready to point out that it may be considered strange to name pet rats after the characters on NCIS. Well, I have no answer to that. Guilty as charged. Now, one of the things that always happens to me when I tell people about my rats is they look at me with this face that, for just a split second at least, shows horror and revulsion. <laughs> and uh, I explain to them, uh, you know, the rats have been Rats have been domesticated for hundreds of years, a couple hundred years at least, and domesticated means that they've bred them for uh, docility and um, sweetness of temperament, uh, for good manners and, and uh, all the things that we would find desirable in a pet. And I can tell that they don't quite believe me that this is either the case or that it's been effective. But look at this. It's the winter of 1874-1875 winter of when they get this rat. This is like 140 years ago, um, almost. And that rat is just as, as good a pet as my rats are now, 135 years later. And I love the description of Billy, that he's not larger than a kitten of a month old, and he's pretty, and his eyes are like large black beads, and he washes himself and keeps himself very clean. Well, my little guys, they wash themselves a lot. Can't say that they keep themselves wonderfully clean because they live in cages with poo in the bottom, uh, but they do clean themselves very meticulously. But if you think about it, a house cat will get all uh, filthy as well if he is allowed to go out and wander in the yard and catch things and roll in the dirt and stuff like that. Uh, just cleaning oneself with your tongue doesn't necessarily keep you clean if your habits are uh, <laughs> to go and, and roll in nasty things all the time. <laughs> Dogs do it too. 
not just cats and rats. And I think that this author is correct when she says that it's the name of rat, or that her, her child suggests that it's the name of rat, which excites her aversion. Um, I was repulsed by rats at first myself. I came home from a, a length of time living overseas, and my younger sister, who was about 11, had a pet rat, and she named him Riker. And she was quick to say it was not Riker after Star Trek. It was Riker after a character in a book called The Summer of My German Soldier. And um, I was just appalled by this rat. Although I have seen photographs of me on that day when I came home with the rat on my shoulder, but I'm pretty sure that I was pressured into doing it and kind of did it on a dare. But it turned out that he actually was very sweet and intelligent and that he considered himself to be on a level with our cats and our dog, uh, not in the least bit um, you know, in awe of them. And he used to intimidate them <laughs> when they would come and try to try to threaten him, he would he would stand up and stare right at them and then they would back away. Clever, clever rat. But again, this name rat, you know, I say I have pet rats and people immediately think of something from the sewer, something scary, something out of a horror movie maybe. So I don't know if this, I didn't do this intentionally, but I kind of fell into the habit of calling my boys bunnies. <laughs> That's my pet name for them, I guess. I say, come here bunny. Oh, you're my sweet bunny. And hey, come, uh, bunny, bunny, we're going to play now. Come on, bunny, come on. Um, I also call them by their names. I call Tony uh, by his name doubled a lot of times because it seems to get his attention better. Tony, Tony. And he recognizes that as referring to him somehow. He also has come to, uh, to recognize the word treat. And so that's very helpful. And he understands some, some tapping of the fingers, like I make my hand like a spider and I tap all the fingers at once on the ground. And he knows that that means come here, especially if I call Tony Tony at the same time. Mickey, I don't think recognizes his name at all, uh, but you don't really need a name for McGee because he's always right there wanting to do whatever it is you're doing, wanting to be involved, wanting to have your food, wanting to lick your face. Uh, etc etc um, and Gibbs Gibbs <laughs> Gibbs likes to sleep late he does not want to wake up when it's time for him to have his meds in the morning or in the evening and uh, he, he gets up and plays with McGee a lot they wrestle I'll put a, um, a link to a YouTube video of those two guys wrestling on the show notes site and uh, he, uh, on, the show, on the show notes site is avocadonits.wordpress.com. That information should come through the feed, but in case it doesn't, there it is again for you. But anyway, back to Gibbs's name. <laughs> the one we most use his name is trying to get him up to take his meds. And uh, his meds are nice, yummy meds. He likes them, but he doesn't always wake up very fast. In fact, he usually doesn't. So I sit next to the cage and I yell. I yell, Gibbs, 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 Gibbs. And you hear, hear little stirrings inside the, the box that he, they um, nest in inside the cage. And if he doesn't come out after a minute or so of yelling Gibbs, then I'll open up the cage door and take the corner of the, ca corner of the box and shake the box. Come on out, Gibbs. 
and eventually he does come out and he never looks at all disgruntled that I've woken him up so roughly. Um, I think it takes that much to wake him up. I'm sure all of you know someone like that. And as I've said before, each of my three rats um, kind of follows a personality that I uh, noticed when I first picked them out at the pet store. At least I'm guessing that they're following it because I have no way of knowing which one was doing what that first day. Uh, one rat immediately ran up my sleeve and sat up on the back of my neck. And one rat immediately ducked into my sleeve and crawled up uh, the inside of my sleeve and nestled inside my shirt. And then the third rat came up and sniffed my hand that I had down inside the cage and was moderately interested. And then when I reached to grab him, he got a little scared and didn't want to get grabbed, but I grabbed him anyway. And they, they pretty much follow that. McGee is the one who um, likes to sit up on my shoulder all the time. And Tony, uh, he likes to do this more when I weighed less and there was more room inside my clothes and when he was smaller. But he really likes to get inside my clothes and climb around. And Gibbs comes over and wants to be around me occasionally, you know, once or twice a week, he'll want to come and, and have physical contact. <laughs> if I sit on the floor now, then the ratio goes up. He wants to, to climb on me a lot more often, but usually I'm sitting up on my computer chair doing something because Mickey and Gibbs entertain each other a lot. Um, so I get busy with other things. Now, Billy in the article, was allowed free reign throughout the household, or nowadays we'd, um, rat owners generally would call that, they, they're allowed to run, you know, sort of free range. Um, and there are some rat owners who do that, let the rats run all over the house. Uh, I don't, and I'll tell you why. <laughs> First of all, they're gnars, just like rabbits. So if you have a house bunny, and you know that bunnies like to chew on your cupboards and on your furniture and stuff like that. And rats like to do that too. Now it depends on the rat as to which one is going to do it the most. I've had rats that like to chew on the baseboards and my three rats now don't like to chew on the baseboards at all. They pretty much leave them alone. But they do like to tear apart boxes, like they'll destroy boxes and they pee on everything. Um, I used to think it was, they were marking their, their um, territory, but then I read that it was more that they were marking out pathways for them to walk along since they have very bad eyesight and good good sense of smell. But then I read recently that that wasn't it either, only I didn't find out what it really was. Either Whatever it is, all three of them just pee like mad. Uh, pee like mad is probably overstating it. But they, you know, over time, it certainly appears that they've been peeing like mad. So you have to clean off whatever it is that they are allowed to climb on. So I keep mine in one room, and sometimes they can go on a little walk throughout the house when they've already peed a lot, when they've gotten up in the morning. Uh, but, and I've got carpets, extra carpets down over the regular carpets, and I uh, wash off the furniture and steam clean everything occasionally. Another reason why I don't let the rats run free, roam free, well, there's always the chance that they'll somehow get outside, and the chances that they will survive that are pretty small. If they don't get killed by a dog or a cat or a coyote or a possum, 
then it's very likely that some bird of prey will swoop down and carry them off, or that they'll get hit by a car, or that they'll starve to death um, because they're not used to finding their own food, recognizing what is food, or that um, they will um, freeze to death or get sick and, and just die on their own. So not good odds for a pet rat out of doors. That's one of the key things, key distinctions between domesticated animals and wild animals. The wild animals tend to be a lot more self-sufficient. Another reason for not letting the rats roam free is that they're, they're squishy and they like to hide and they also like to dart really fast from one place to another. And that means that if you're not watching where you're going, you could step on one and kill it really easily. That happened to one of my students this semester when she was young and they had a pet rat at their house. He got killed by somebody squashing it. It's not just uh, stepping on a rat that's the problem. You can also kick a rat very easily. I've done that a couple of different times on accident. Um, you can sit on a rat without realizing that, that you've done it until after it's too late, especially if they are allowed, like Billy was, to um, burrow inside old couches or old chairs. Now my first two pet rats did burrow inside an old chair that I had gotten from the Salvation Army, but they burrowed in the bottom part, not up in the top part where where that would squish, you know, if someone sat in it. And I always made sure that I knew where they were and that I didn't sit on the chair when they were inside there. And that chair was inside my bedroom where I kept the rats. So they were pretty safe. Another reason why it's not really a good idea to let the rats roam around the house is that that habit that Billy had, that my rats have too, of stashing stuff in your furniture or in um, little little holes or, or corners or anything like that. Now my rats have little boxes all around the room where they can stash things if they want and they can hide things and we clean those out occasionally and replace them with new ones. What we're especially proud of this maze box that we have in the corner that we made out of um, a box from Gardener Supply and um, the old silk cartons, you know, the carrying cartons um, with two um, quarts of milk in it, whatever they are. Half gallons, I guess, two half gallons. And uh, then a couple of, of round cartons. Uh, one is an old peanut tin and the other one is a carton for quick oats and my husband put this together and it's smaller than one that we had had earlier smaller meaning overall and smaller meaning the spaces inside are smaller but the rats seem to like this one much much better than the first one I made the first one was roomier inside so this one is a little tighter and I was wondering about why they liked it so much, and I think it has to do with a feeling of comfort, of security. They like to walk close to the walls um, when they're feeling a little threatened or when they're in a new place, and they'll hide under things. And you know, basically, it seems like they like to have something nearby that they can feel either with their fur or the pressure of the air on their skin or their long whiskers, which just spring out for the, from their face a lot like a cat's whiskers and they're uh, <laughs> it's really this wonderful array of antenna to pick up sensory data it's great <laughs> so anyway I'm thinking that they really like a certain kind of space a certain size of space that reminds me a lot of bees because bees if they are given a hive or if they're in a space 
that doesn't provide a regular interval of space and and something to build the comb on that gives them just the right um, distance there for the bee to go through, then the bees will build up excessive comb to make it the right distance so that they're always in a corridor of a particular uh, height. And I think rats really like to have a corridor of a particular height height and width. Um, in With bees, it's called bee space. So I think it's rat space that they really appreciate. Now, Billy likes this game of running up and down a a kitchen table and uh, catching their pen, catching the children's pens and things. And my rats don't necessarily go after the pens. I have had rats in the past that did want pens, but I think mainly because they saw that I was using them, and so it seemed like a desirable object. And they would steal the pen and try to, to hide it in their rummage space, in their rat space. I have read other rat owners on the net saying that their rats do this as well, steal their pens, especially while they're working. They'll put a pen down and the, the pen will be gone. Now I can't speak to a rat's love of music. I, um, my rats had not shown any inclination to think of music as anything other than noise, but they do love to, well, to, a couple of them really like to be petted. And I think maybe for Billy it was the piano that was the signal that somebody had a knee available. And if he came and got up on the knee, then he would get his head rubbed and he would get caressed. And that was awesome. Now, McGee likes a little caressing, but Tony absolutely adores it. And he is like Billy in that he would just lie there for as long as you were willing to stroke him and rub his chin and his cheeks and his chest. And he would, you know, you could you, you tickle a little bit, scratch all down his body and around his shoulders and on his tummy and stuff and he's just in seventh heaven. Sometimes he does this really great thing where uh, he'll grind his teeth, sounds like he's chewing rocks, and then he'll boggle his eyes in and out. And if he's boggling his eyes you just know things are really really good. Now I do agree with the writer of the article that it's entirely possible that Billy was smart enough to recognize the, the lady visitor's smell on the cotton ball and <laughs> to decide to take vengeance on it. I mean, he obviously recognized that the retriever was a rival and was going to wreak vengeance on him. So it's not that great a leap then to have him make the same connections with this woman. Not so much that she was a rival, but that she was cutting him out of uh, games and, and activities that he really enjoyed. Now as to um, Billy attacking the dog, yeah I can see that too. Wait till you see the video of Gibbs and McGee wrestling. We just call it fighting most of the time because it gets really rough and they act like they're going to tear each other to bits. They don't really. And then they go and sleep together in a big heap. But one of the things that they really get serious about is food when we're putting treats down. Um, if McGee tries to take treats away from Gibbs, that usually only happens because Gibbs has taken them away from McGee. Gibbs has a very fast mouth and he adores food. It's very important to him. And so you put some treats in and each of them gets something and then Gibbs will take his and go and stash it in the box. He won't eat it first. McGee will eat his first. And so Gibbs will come back and try to steal McGee's stuff. 
to go stash it in the box. And then you get huge fights, and uh, that those really seem serious. <laughs> so if the retriever was getting Billy's treats, then that would be cause for a serious attack. And there's really no way to keep them from doing that. I don't know that that rats are trainable in quite that way. That's such an instinctive and, you know, just comes from the gut, so to speak. <laughs> that uh, if you wanted to keep the retriever, then you'd have to figure out some other way of dealing with Billy. And they were able to send Billy back to his original home, which was nice. I have to say, uh, if you want to get a pet rat, it's probably not a good idea to get one from a pet store. They generally have some pretty bad illnesses when they come from the pet store, and uh, mine do, and it costs about $75 every month just to buy their medications, and we love them, but, you know, we wish they were less expensive. If you get a rat from a breeder, there's less of a chance that they'll have any um, problems like that. So I've got a couple of stories for you to end up with about um, the rats, and here they are. I've been listening to some of the previous episodes, and in some of the most dramatic parts, you can hear the rats chewing madly on their lab blocks in the background, really, really loudly. <laughs> it's kind of awesome. <laughs> I'm going to tell you a couple of stories today about the rats. Uh, they're obviously real stories, so in Spanish that would be historias and not cuentos. Um, First, uh, first of all is McGee. <laughs> McGee is kind of like the boss rat. He really wants to be in charge of everybody and everything, and he's going to use his teeth a lot to make sure that that happens. He's kind of a rough player. But his relationship with me is really important to him because he's boss rat, and then I'm boss of him. And I, when I pay attention to the other rats, he gets anxious because he wants to be the one who's closest to me. That gives him status, I guess. So he has this thing that he likes to do. He likes to climb up my leg, and then he likes to climb up my um, shirt and land on my shoulder, and then just camp out there for a while. And he does this to my husband, too. He just sits there, and he grooms himself, and he grinds his teeth a little bit, which means that he's happy. Um, but what he does to me that he doesn't do to my husband well, he used to stick his nose up my nose and try to lick out all the good stuff in there. And, of course, I didn't appreciate that very much, but I knew it was important to him socially to do something with me. So, um, anyway, I finally, you know, I would, I would turn my head away when he went for my nose, and then I'd turn it back and turn my head away, because he would always immediately go for my nose again. And then I thought, what if I, um, what do you call it, when you, when you, distract him with something else. Uh, and so I uh, started making little kissy noises at him, and then I'd move my head away. And he got some attention that way, which was good because one of the other things he liked to do was to try to lick me right on the lips, and don't really want him to do that. So I would do kissy kissy at him and then turn my head away, and kissy kissy and turn my head away. And then he would get all this attention, and it was like a game, and then he would be happy, and he'd just camp out there on my shoulder. and and eventually just, you know, groom himself and grind his teeth and do his own thing. Well, <laughs> uh, this last Sunday, um, I think I probably 
put on lip gloss right before I came into the room. I don't usually do that. I put on lip gloss uh, when I'm ready to leave the house, but I must have put it on right before coming into the room because when Mickey climbed up to be on my shoulder, he didn't stop there. He, he actually didn't go to my shoulder at all. He climbed up and sat on my chest and planted one little paw, one little hand on either side of my mouth and Frenched me. <laughs> it's, it's one of the most surprising thing that's, things that's ever happened to me in my life. <laughs> so, I was really shocked and just <laughs> sat there for a split second and then of course I regained my composure and moved away and and uh, when he tried to go for my mouth again then I I would do a little kissy face at him and then turn my head away and he accepted that that was part of the game and, and <laughs> went on to grooming himself eventually. <laughs> but whoa, never thought that would happen. <laughs> and uh, okay, so next bit of news. Tony won't come out of his Kleenex box. Uh, he has a two-level cage now, and he's got a silk box. You know, one of the ones that you put two, or the, the, the two silk cartons come in. He's got one of those with the um, lid flaps torn off in the bottom, and then in the top he's got this Kleenex box. And he loves to sit in the Kleenex box. It's one of his favorite places to hide out. But normally Tony doesn't need to hide out very much. Tony is very um, gregarious and, and friendly and he feels very secure with me. When I pick him up, his whole body is limp, which means that he's not stressed out about anything. He, he trusts me completely. But something is wrong now. Something happened yesterday and I don't know exactly how it started, but it's ending with the fact that he doesn't want to come out of his Kleenex box today. So yesterday, he, I had him out, I was playing with him, and he was a little nervous after a while. And uh, he kind of skittered around a little bit, uh, did this thing where he, he jumps and then jumps and then jumps, rather than just walking or running from place to place. Uh, but it wasn't a happy jump. Sometimes when they're really excited and happy, they bound across the floor like squirrels. But these weren't happy jumps. These were side to side and, you know, eyeing things and being just really aware of everything that was going on around him. And then also, sometimes when I'm playing with him, I do this little jump thing where I don't really jump. It's that thing that you do when say you're playing that game where somebody has their hands out, um, palm down, and the other person has their hands out, palm up, underneath, and the person with their hands out, palm up, underneath is going to try to smack the hands of the person who has their hands above. And so when you want to freak the person out, you do a little jump, um, and they think that you're actually going to smack their hands. Well, I do this with Tony sometimes because he's so used to me that uh, sometimes he has a hard time getting excited. <laughs> but I did that yesterday and he was so nervous that he actually flinched. Like, not like, yay, we're going to play flinch, but actual flinch. So anyway, I had already planned to clean out his cage today. And Tony is this little nervous guy uh, about many things and he grooms himself too much and he, he um, it's like if he were cutting himself only he's just grooming himself and so he, he makes all these little scars and scabs all over his body I know it sounds so gross but 
he's my sweet little guy and so I take care of him and so he ends up with all this blood all over in his fur and then the bits of, of stuff that he comes into in his cage or anything that might come off his own skin that makes him really itchy besides it's a vicious cycle it's hard to tell which one comes first so I give him more regular baths than I do the others and I've started washing him in the sink with this kitten shampoo because of course kittens lick their fur and so do rats so I wanted to make sure it was safe for him to lick off so most of the time he's okay with it but yesterday ooh, um, he, he was alright when I put him up in the sink and, and ran the water over him and put soap on his back but then as soon as I tried to, you know, angle him under on his tummy so that we, I could get his tummy wet, he freaked out, ran up my hand and up onto the counter around the sink, ran around the sink, fell off the sink, ran into, you know, head first into the waste basket, and then ran around the toilet twice before coming to rest in back of the toilet. You know, imagine one of those remote control cars at, like, twice the speed, um, or three times the speed, and then... He, when he stopped, he didn't react when I picked him up. I think he was so overwrought that he just couldn't function. But anyway, he's you know he's got soap all over him and he's wet. So I just finished washing him and talked to him and told him he was a good boy uh, the whole time. And then I wrapped him up in a towel and got him mostly dry back in the office, uh, the rat room. Uh, and then when he was mostly dry, I let him go like I usually do and let him hide in one of the various boxes that we have scattered around for them to hide in. And I figured he would just spend time uh, grooming himself and getting himself dry and then he would be okay. Well, I finished cleaning his cage and spent some time on that. Uh, and my husband came up and helped me because he'd gotten home from work. And when we got done, usually, when, if I drop these little treats, the little doggy treats, into Tony's cage, he hears the sound and he knows it's his favorite thing ever and he runs to get his treat and then he'll climb into his cage by himself and get the other treats while we close up the cage. Well this time he was willing, when we were lying on the floor and holding out a treat to him where he was hiding, he would come out and take the treat and run away again but he didn't want to come close to us at all and he would not go back in his cage. So I told my husband let's just leave him in here uh, and he'll calm down eventually and come back in a few hours and, and let him, you know, and, and get him back in his cage. Normally I don't leave the rats in the rat room all by themselves out loose because they like to jump up on my office chair and then up on my computer and uh, that's just bad since they love to, one, pee on things and two, chew all the wires to bits. And I've got the wires protected down below but not up above since I actually have to use things up above. But I figured Tony was stressed enough and traumatized enough that he would just be hiding. Rats that are scared don't get into trouble the same way that rats that are calm and inquisitive do. I figured he would just hide out in the cage or wander around in the corners of the room. And that seems to be what happened. There was nothing out of place, nothing chewed on when I came back into the room about three hours later. And, uh, and he was right by the door trying to come out of the door. He loves to come wander around the house. I supervise him when he wanders around the house. I walk around with him and tell him where not to go. And he's actually pretty uh, cooperative. I make the little uh-uh-uh-uh sound and then he turns around and then he stops and then I say, come here, come here, and he turns around and comes back. 
but anyway, he's not going to go on a wandering trip around the house tonight, so I picked him up and uh, put treats in his bowl and gave him a treat and put him back in his cage, and he was okay. He was going to go eat the treats, but he's still watching me, and that normally doesn't happen. He's usually totally intent on his treats. He's just really tentative and over-aware. So I hoped all night he would have the chance to calm down, but today uh, he didn't want to come out of the Kleenex box, not even for his morning meds, which are grape flavored and which all the rats just adore and they fight over them if they have the chance. Tony just sat there in his box and had his head out of his box and ground his teeth at me, which is not a bad thing. That the ground, grinding his teeth, that's, you know, that means that he's very happy and content to stay where he is. You can think of it like, being in your bed on a cold morning and you don't have to get up just yet but you're kind of awake already and you're just in bed enjoying the warmth you don't want to come out of bed that's the kind of impression i got from him but the, you know usually he's out right away and all excited and I, I let him out of his cage first and we play because i let the boys out alternately the two boys um mcgee and gibbs i let out at the same time since they live together and i let out Tony by himself, and I play with him, you know, uh, play with him a lot more face-to-face, one-on-one than I do the other guys, and what I mean is that even when the other guys are out, most of the time they're playing with each other, they come visit me, but, and they'll climb all over me if I sit on the floor, they'll, they're very sociable, but Tony doesn't have anybody to play with, and so I play with him a lot just by himself, I'm his companion, and he didn't want to come out, so I let the other guys out first. So we'll see if things get better over the course of the day. Crossing my fingers.
Strange is by Bosco and Peck. Well, here's hoping that Tony forgives me. Preferably soon, because I'm planning on giving him another bath next week sometime. All out of time for today, but please do go to the show notes page and look at the pictures of the um, anime convention and um, also see the film of Gibbs and McGee. Our last song is of the anime musical genre. You didn't know there was one of those, did you? But there is. It's Strange Town by Ivan Chu. わたしは今変な街を見ている私は今変な街を見ている
私は今変な文字を見ている Some strange feeling is available from medio.com. Ain't It Strange is also available at medio.com. But Strange Town is from CC Mixter and it is used under a Creative Commons non commercial sampling plus license.